This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are live. What's up, everybody? September 19th edition of the Holy Smokes podcast. Yours truly, Joe Ferraro. Make sure you give me a follow online via social media at Showdown Joe. And, of course, the gentleman, the other gentleman you see on the screen there, Sean Rossap. Give him a follow at Sean Rossap. We're going to be discussing a whole whack of things today from the mixed martial arts world. Obviously, UFC Pittsburgh went down uh, on Saturday, which saw Luke Rockhold's return. We're going to preview the changed main event and the pretty much the whole card for UFC Japan going down this Friday. Not Saturday, but this Friday. Uh, you can check that out. Uh, Shogun uh, has been pulled out with a knee injury. Ugh. We all know he's had uh, knee injuries in the past. We will preview Bellator 183 and the 6,417 fights that are on that card with a bunch of kickboxing. Uh, why is there no buzz for Bellator? We will discuss oh, that for sure. There oh. will be. I'll interrupt you right now because right before I got on the air, I got a message from Bellator. Let me pull up the tweet. Let me... <laughs> Drag it over to where your face should be. Where where do we where can I put this here? You all can see it. Bellator is bringing a flying cage to San Jose. A flying cage, Joe. The heck is a flying cage? I don't they know. Drop, they drop it the down from release. the ceiling. Oh boy. <laughs> That'll be fun. I saw the headline and said, you know what? I could read this press release or I could not and just speculate. Which would be better? Speculation. Of course. (laughs) Of course. All right. We'll talk about that for sure in a moment. Uh, Maybe Sean will read that in a a moment or so. Rousey versus Cyborg. Does this fight have legs to it? Can it take place? Is it just a facade? Is it just, uh, you know, Sean Rossaf's favorite coach in MMA just talking some beep? But uh, we'll see. Uh, we're also going to hear from Frank Trigg uh, throughout this podcast here. Uh, and another favorite of Sean Rossaf, Jose Aldo. He's potentially coming back in December. We'll talk about that uh, in a moment. But before we get to anything, Sean, you were away uh, with the misses uh, in Orlando, if I'm not mistaken. How did that go? It was great. Uh, we went to the WWE NXT tapings, which they got pushed back from Wednesday to Thursday, which helped make that happen. Unfortunately, the hurricane did make that happen. So my trip became tax-deductible. 
You can't beat that. Interesting. There you go. That was a lot of fun. I took her to Universal Studios. She wanted to go to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. I sat through one line and decided to upgrade to those express tickets. A great move. A great yeah. call. Uh, the next day, we saw some friends. I wanted to go to Gatorland, but we didn't get to. But uh, me and my friends got to go to the Titanic Museum. My wife is a Titanic buff. Uh, we killed zombies with lasers. We played pirate-themed <laughs> pirate themed mini-golf. Uh, we went to Hulk Hogan's beach shop. Like, there were a lot of cool things there. Um, I, saw the, I saw the pics of the beach shop, the Hogan beach shop. Oh, that, that, that was pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I'm not big on, like, wrestling clothes and stuff, but I really wanted to buy, like, a NWO red and black wolf pack shirt to work out in, but unfortunately they didn't have any in my size, so you'll have that. But, yeah, I'm going to upload a lot of these pictures to uh, to Instagram, our Fightful.com Instagram over at Fightful Online pretty soon. Awesome, awesome. Guys, don't forget, top right of your screen, if you're watching on the YouTube page, you can definitely join in uh, on our live chat. Give us your thoughts, give us your suggestions, give us uh, anything you like. Get your own conversation going. Sean and I will pay attention uh, to the live chat on the top right of the screen. All right, UFC Pittsburgh went down, Sean Rossap. Did you have a chance in your vacationing haze to watch the show? I did, and as insignificant as much of this show was, it was exciting. You had... Mike Perry destroying a lightweight, sure, whatever, that's going to happen. His teammate on another card, Alex Nicholson, allegedly popped, failed a drug test, if you believe uh, some at the venue. Mm -hmm. Wish Mike Perry would have fought Chris Curtis. He's a local fighter, uh, a 170 fighter who he's been beefing with on Facebook for quite some time. I think that would have been the right fight to give him. Anthony Smith may have booted Hector Lombard out of the UFC. Very true. Um, Gillespie with the arm triangle choke. Arm triangle choke, favorite submission in the world. Ya boy, Kamaru Usman forced a man against his will to do an Eddie Murphy, Beverly Hills Cop 2 shoulder roll after knocking him out. The heavyweight fight on the main card went the distance, but uh, the one with Daniel Spitz and Anthony Hamilton did not. Anthony Hamilton may be out of a job. Yep. Gilbert Burns knocked the man out, and Uriah Hall, I don't know, Joe. Let's start with Uriah Hall. Does this performance make you more or less frustrated with Uriah Hall? More frustrated. Yeah, that me too. Much more frustrated because as, I, as you and I have talked about Uriah uh, over the past year and a bit that we've been uh, doing these podcasts, you just never know which Uriah Hall is going to show up. And every time he does something like this, you may be suckered and, and you, you bit the bait. You may believe that finally, boom, we got it, we got it. But again, we just don't know what may happen uh, in his next fight. So for now, um, you know, his stock is – because in MMA, it's all about what, you, what, what have you done in your last fight. It's always that way, you know. What, what, what did? How was your performance? And that's how generally people will remember you for. Uh, but in, in seeing Uriah compete since the Ultimate Fighter, it's been so inconsistent that we just don't know. But this type of performance showed me a lot. The fact that he got he lost a 10-8 round in round number one, only to come back uh, and secure a TKO. Uh, I mean, that was a, a, just an unbelievable comeback by Uriah Hall. He looked absolutely fantastic in round two. Round three, obviously, the head movement wasn't there. He was getting clocked. He wasn't able to move much, but I'm not convinced. I'm still not convinced. He's going to have to have two or three fights where he comes out or he's got to move up the rankings for me to be convinced because I, to this point now, Sean, I just still, I'm the same. I don't know what to expect with him anymore. 
And you take a look back at the guys who have beaten him. Gegard Musashi, Robert Whittaker. Obviously, that Robert Whittaker loss back then looked much worse than it does now. doesn't look bad at all now. Especially mm-hmm. the fact that he went all three rounds with Whittaker. Uh, Brunson. Brunson can beat... Most uh, he can beat ninety five percent of middleweights on the right night. Rafael Natal was in the middle of his hottest streak as a UFC fighter ever, but like when he he should have beaten Kelvin Gastelum four years ago. Yeah, the he finale. He should have beaten John Howard four years ago. Like there, uh, Uriah Hall should have started his UFC career. He should have beaten Natal too. Those first three losses he had were split decisions, and he was so timid. And like, there's no reason he shouldn't have had like seven wins in a row going into that Whitaker fight. I don't think he was beating Whitaker anyway. But the thing is, Joe, I think he's more than capable at any point of starching anybody in that division. And I mean from the top down. I don't care if you're GSP, you're Whitaker, you're Bisping, you're Rockhold. If Uriah Hall catches you the right way, as Gegard Musashi found out. You can go out. The problem is he admitted as much after the fight. He's scared every time he goes in there. And that's natural. That's natural. Yep. That that happens, yep. man. Like, But I think that that's his problem. He knows his problem. But at some point, like, I mean, this could have been it for him, Joe. If he lost this fight, he could have been gone. He would have been. He would have easily found work in Bellator, but he would have been gone. Yeah, so good on him. Kudos to him. He, he should... Hypothetically, move up those rankings. Uh, have they come out yet? No, they come out uh, later today, if I'm not mistaken, right? What is it? The rankings? The, yeah. Probably today or tomorrow. They're not really that defined with when they release. Yeah, they're still right. not out yet. They, they, it says Wednesday, so I guess tomorrow. Okay. So, I'm, I mean, I'm thinking he's going to move up the rankings, obviously, with this victory because Christoph uh, Jocko was above him in the rankings. I mean, but then again, you and I know the rankings panel sometimes just yeah. gets all whacked out. But we'll see what happens with there. One fight that was missed was Olivier Aubameyang taking on Tony Martin in a split decision uh, that had the Twitter world sort of up in arms. Uh, I actually agree with the decision. Uh, it was very close. I could understand if it even went to Tony Martin. What did you think of that fight? Yep. I would agree. Uh, I don't have a whole lot to say about the fight itself, but um, yeah, and I think that got overshadowed a lot by the decision we saw in the boxing fight later on. <laughs> but yeah, I had Olivier winning that fight. I, I it, you know, I saw some people scored a draw too, but mm-hmm. I thought the right man won that fight. Absolutely. So um, you took a shot at, well, shot at, but you did take a shot at, but you, you made a nice little sarcastic comment with the Daniel Spitz uh, victory over Anthony Hamilton. It literally, the fight started, and I was turning around, uh, coming back from the kitchen to sit down and have a sip of coffee. By the time I sat down, I grabbed my coffee, and as I was about to sip it, fight was over. Fight was over. Solid performance, obviously, by Daniel Spitz, but Anthony Hamilton, like you said, for him. Yeah. I- Lost four, lost three in a row. He has been finished in the first round in three straight fights. The thing about heavyweights, I love heavyweight MMA, as ugly as it can be. Let's look back at the history of Anthony Hamilton. Like in 2014, he was knocked out in 33 seconds by Todd Duffy. In July 2016, he beat Damian Grabowski in 14 seconds. Then this year, he was knocked out in 24 seconds. 
you never know how it will go. You just never know. And the thing I like is that if, if we see a lightweight guy that comes up and wins two fights in a row upon entering the UFC and he's 31 years old, we're like, ooh, well, he'll be a nice hand, but will he ever get there? At heavyweight, you're like, oh, man, his best years are ahead of him. Like, that's what I like about it. And, and somewhat at light heavyweight, too, we're finding, especially when John Jones is out of action, that can happen, too. We see Jimmy Manoa meet some success, albeit inconsistent. We see Daniel Cormier, who, if he had never met John Jones, would be in all-time great discussion. So I love the heavyweight, like, just people emerging at heavyweight. We now know that Daniel Spitz can knock out a man... In 30 seconds, which is the case for most of that heavyweight division. Mm -hmm. uh, really, unless you're like Rochalt or somebody like that who just doesn't want to do that. Um, yeah, take you down and hold you down there. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I love it. I love emerging names. I'm going to write a set of articles about emerging names at light heavyweight and heavyweight. So uh, very excited. Actually, I had written one of them. I think I wrote both of them a couple months ago, forgot to post them, and now I have to completely redo the light heavyweight one <laughs> in light of what happened to John Jones. So Yeah, the whole John Jones thing. We'll, we'll, we'll get Frank Trigg to, uh, to sort of talk about that a little bit later yeah. on. Uh, you and I will discuss it as well. Kamara Usman's victory over Sergio Moras was an eye-opener because it's been that one one guy that one he just could never get that finish in the UFC. He finally gets that finish in dramatic fashion. I will say this, though. Uh, I didn't tell Kamara this. We, we did go back and forth on text. I think he's traveling, uh, or he was traveling yesterday. Um, he was getting hit. Kamara was getting hit. His head movement wasn't there. His power was there. His strikes, his setups were there, but he was getting hit. But he hit Sergio hard. Obviously got uh, the knockout victory and then proceeds to call it RDA. Camaro said, I am a problem. I am a problem. You all need to recognize this. I am a problem in this division. And RDA, you want to come to my division, I'll send that boy back to to, to where he belongs, to, to lightweight. It's, it's, Camaro has a bullseye for RDA. If you're RDA... Or are you the UFC? Do you think this fight gets put together? I don't know. I think it's good of Kamaru to call somebody out. Because if I were the UFC, I would outright ban saying, I'll fight anybody they put in front of me. I would also yeah. ban saying, he's never fought anybody like me. I would ban all that stuff. I like that Kamaru Usman did this. The knockout was spectacular. Personally, I would have him ranked at number... 11 above Dong Hyung Kim and Gunnar Nelson right now. But right now you've got... I wouldn't put him up against Magny. Magny's coming off of a loss. But you got Colby Covington, Ponzi Nibio. Who knows if Condit will ever fight again. But you have a couple of names right there that I think he is more likely to get matched up with and Dos Anjos is more likely to get matched up with. I think Dos Anjos might get the one that Kamaru maybe doesn't in that. Like, mm -hmm. So I could see them throwing... Those four, Kamaru, Ponzinibbio, Covington, Dos Anjos, very interesting. Very interesting matchups. And then, of course, at the very tip-top, Lawler, Thompson, Maya. Uh, you got Cerrone in there who's going to fight a guy who's not ranked. But that, that was to save a, save a show. So yeah, there, there are a lot of options at welterweight. So many options at welterweight. 
Well, welterweight, lightweight, featherweight, uh, there, there's, it's just those divisions that are absolutely packed. I mean, middleweight a little bit. Light heavyweight, we've talked about how sparse it is. And heavyweight, like you said, you can be 49 and have a good career, uh, start your MMA career late. It's just, it's just the way it is. There's so much depth uh, in those other divisions. Um, you know, I, I would like to see Camaro versus RDA. But like you said, some of those guys, I'm, I'm, I'm consistently – I miss Carlos Condit. I really do. I really miss Carlos Conant because he was just such an exciting fighter, the natural-born killer. I'd love to see him back, but, I mean, the game's changed. game's changed since he's been gone. If he hasn't fought in the last 13 months and we don't know of any major injuries, then I wonder how much he really wants it. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And, and that's okay. That's okay to be like that, but, you know, he's got a 350K base pay, so... I would I would fight out that contract at the very least. Say just give me somebody. I don't know if they will, but or you know if it's not in, if it's not in him, it's not in him. Maybe he's he's he feels comfortable enough financially to just step away. And if that's the case, more power to him. But uh, man, I I just really hate to see a guy who turned thirty three this year. Not be active, but I mean, he's been fighting for 15 years. So. Yeah, he's been fighting forever. So that that fighting takes a toll on your body, man. MMA mileage is real. Uh, apparently, MMA mileage uh, was irrelevant with Gregor Gillespie and Jason Gonzalez because that fight was sheer violence until it came to an end. I mean, those two guys put on a show, and whew, I mean, what did you think of that one? You know, I love a good arm triangle. It's my favorite submission in the universe. So any <laughs> fight that it. They could have stared at each other for 14 minutes and 58 seconds, locked on an arm triangle, and got the submission, and I'd be like, great fight! Awesome fight! Uh, yeah, uh, this one was right around the time that uh, the boxing card was yep. starting, so my attention was a little little off, but uh, Gillespie moving to 10-0. and 0. He's got two two nice finishes. Two performance bonuses over his last two fights this year. He's made some bank this year for a guy yep. who stepped into the UFC in September. Like, good for him, man. That's He's cleared quite a bit of money. Now, I, I wish Reebok was a little more on the level with the performance bonuses, but... Because, yeah, he's making like 1500 bucks to wear that Reebok logo or something like that, but... Yeah. Uh, that, was, that was a nice win for him, even though... Even though Gonzalez was just one in one in the UFC, he went on a very, very impressive tear and finished people. Like that's all that Gonzalez does is finish people. He never, ever lets it go uh, to the scorecards, and like very rarely lets it even go to the third round. So, uh, the big, big win for Gillespie. Speaking of guys who won't let things go, uh, Anthony Smith refused to let go. What apparently Hector Lombard stated uh, that he doesn't know who this guy is and blah blah. And he kept, you know, in between rounds, he was like, or in between the first and the second round, uh, or second or third round. Either way, he's like, "Do you know who I am now? Do you know who I am now?" And even in his post-fight interview, uh, which, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you know, Sean was watching the Triple G Canelo fight. I was watching both fights at the same time, so trying to keep. Uh, an eye on both things and what was happening and listening to what was being said while watching one fight. Uh, but even in the post-fight interview, Anthony Smith still took a shot at Hector Lombard, even though he TKO'd him uh, you know, two and a half minutes into the third round. Uh, he just refused to let that go. Now, that's just Anthony's personality. Uh, and he wants to fight in two different divisions. So I remember 
I think it was three, three and a half years ago, I was working for Cage Passion Media. It was a local site, and I would make a little money here and there selling sponsors, ads, all that stuff. And I remember when Anthony Smith got signed to Bellator, and I remember a Twitter conversation where people were like, why is he getting signed to Bellator? He got bounced from Strike Force. He got bounced from the UFC. He got bounced from VFC back to back to back. And this was in early 2014. He was 17-11 and 11 at that point. He was off three straight losses to Roger Gracie, um, Antonio Neto on that UFC on Fuel show, and Josh Neer in VFC. Like It really looked like this could be his last chance at only maybe 25, 26 years old. Otherwise, he was going to be a journeyman. Mm-hmm. Since then, he is 11-1. and 11-1 yeah. got back. Not only that. He succeeded in Bellator, then was like, peace out, Bellator. <laughs> Made it back to the VFC and beat Josh Neer. Then the UFC hired him back, and he's gone 4-1. And, one. and yep. not only that, he's finishing dudes. Like, since December, just putting dudes away. But putting dudes away, like, uh, you know you know how a lot of fighters are, Joe. If they don't put them, around, put them out in the first round, it's going the distance. He's putting guys out in the second round. He's putting them out deep into the third round. The career growth of Anthony Smith is very, very impressive to me because before that career resurgence, you were not seeing him finish guys in the third round even. Like, it would go to maybe the second round and he'd do it, but he was never finishing guys deep, deep, deep into the fight. And uh, I just say hats off to him for stepping up and changing whatever he needed to do to facilitate that change he made happen, and I have a lot of respect for him uh, for that. Um, so obviously it takes out Hector Lombard, whose striking didn't look that bad. It was it looked actually improved uh, in the first round, but then he started to tail off there, and you know it looks like Hector may be on his way out. Where would Hector go from here, though? Do you think he'd be returned? He'd go back to Bellator. You think they'd welcome him back? They just yeah. Bellator one. I mean, you know, whoever the hell it is that's paying Ben Askren right now, they got to have a new guy to pay. So that's very true. Give him some money. Very true. Um, in the co-main event, Mike Perry takes on uh, Alex Reyes, who took the fight on very short notice. Uh, Mike Perry doesn't like uh, human beings. Let's just be honest. Not a fan of other human beings. This guy is ruthless. Uh, the irony of me tweeting that it was a ruthless performance only for him about a minute and a half later to get interviewed and say he wants ruthless Robbie Lawler next. Uh, to which point, shortly thereafter, his original opponent, Tiago Alves, says this guy's going to get an ass-whooping from me and I was like okay well what's what's going on here so where do you where do you look at this triangle right now I look at Mike Perry as a guy who maybe has in his short amount of time you know I'm talking outside of like the the Ronda Rousey's and the Conor McGregor's he has capitalized on his situation as as well as anybody I've, I've seen he wasn't in he hadn't had a UFC fight 13 months ago and now he's 4-1 and one calling out Robbie Lawler, and you look at it, and it's a fight that you could say, okay, even though you're not ranked, we could do that fight. That would be a good fight. If that's a, paper, if that's a UFC on Fox headliner or co-headliner, I'll watch that fight. I love that fight. Tiago Alves? It, it, it says something, Joe. When you are an unranked fighter, and the person you call out is number one, and the person that calls you out is unranked, and either one of them, I'm like, sure, give it to me. That says a lot about you as a fighter. 
controversial dude, sure. Uh, was the the win impressive? He knocked out a lightweight, so I, I guess. But uh, a lot of uh, he's got a lot of big things coming his way. He's going to be like one him. of those guys that has to get beat four or five times before the UFC cuts him, or he'll have to say some crazy shit. Well, even if he does get, yeah, that's true. If you, if you go on a stupid rampage, yeah, but he's the type of guy that if he's going to get beaten, he's going to get beat up, or he's going to go out on a shield. He's not a type of guy that's going to sit there and just give you a boring fight. I don't think boring uh, is anywhere near this guy's vocabulary. This guy there comes to fight. He puts on a performance. I mean, he, during our live chat, during the last show, people were like, platinum this, platinum this, platinum, platinum, platinum Mike Perry. It was all about platinum Mike Perry. And like you said, he's beginning to captivate a lot of people. He's probably catching lightning in a bottle, uh, I think with a little bit more polish or with a bit more bravado. This guy could be a star at 170 pounds, but it's a, it's a deep division. Uh, he's gonna. He'll never be able to do what Conor. Well, shouldn't say never, but to do what Conor McGregor has done is a different story. But mm-hmm. at the same time, this guy's got all the potential to be a star. The Donald Cerrone, Robbie Lawler role is not a bad one to have, Joe. <laughs> Where yeah. you save shows or you, you know how Robbie Lawler is, man. He makes people fight his fight, and every single fight he's put in there with. If you said Robbie Lawler versus, oh God, I don't know. Neil Magny. Now, Neil Magny's a good fighter, but not one I look at. Oh, Robbie Lawler versus John Fitch. I'd be like, damn, you know what? That's going to be a good fight, even though John Fitch is a snoozer. Uh, <laughs> so now they got like two or three of those guys at welterweight, Cerrone, Lawler, Perry. I want to see Perry fight Cerrone, and I want to see Perry fight Lawler. That's what I want. <laughs> There's a triangle right there. There's your little MMA Bermuda triangle right there. I would love to see all three of those fights. Two, three, whatever it would be. Uh, you know, you know yeah. like like the Jim Miller, Diego Sanchez, Sanchez Joe yeah. Lozon Joe Lozon. carousel <laughs> that they do. Come on now. We know what's up. Hey, Matt Brown's still running around in that division somewhere too. Why not Mike Perry and Matt Brown? Oh, my God. You are you are just – you love violence. Yeah, why not? What, you has love Has Matt violence. Brown won lately? I don't think he has. No, he's lost five of six, so maybe not Matt Brown. But there's your example, another example that you mentioned of your analogy. It'll take a long time for the UFC to cut a guy like that because no matter what, he brings it. And you just never know, right? He's just got that ability uh, to push fights, push fighters, and you don't know. He might get a body shot uh, at one point, looks like the fight's over, and come back and knock his opponent out, right? So the, guy, the guy's got skills. It's just that he's on a bad run right now. But Mike Perry's up there with, uh, yeah, you know, we should call it like the violent brotherhood or something like that. These guys are just absolutely insane. Um, Speaking of, I guess, marginally insane, Luke Rockhold returns to the cage, former UFC middleweight champion, takes on David Branch, submits David Branch because, you know, Branch was tapping out to strikes, proceeds. So I want to I ask you about, A, the performance, because in that first round, he did not look good. His head movement was basically null and void, uh, but does come back and does what Luke Rockhold does and basically finish guys. But then proceeds to get on the microphone and tells GSP to get out of that fight. It's not his fight. It's his fight. I get it. I get the talking and blah, blah, blah and all that stuff like that. But afterwards on the Fox broadcast, he also says he's done cutting at 185 pounds. Come on, Daniel Cormier. You need to move up to heavyweight. And obviously, <laughs> Velasquez, you just don't know what's happening with Cain Velasquez. And yeah. if Cain was not to come back and Daniel was to move up, then you would have Luke Rockhold slide in uh, to represent AKA at 205 pounds. So many things and angles he's, and storylines. He's acting like the Rockhold. 1993 MLB commissioner, just like, let's do radical realignment. 
We're going to change everything. <laughs> you go to heavyweight. You go to middleweight. Kane, you just, I don't know, take a dump for a year. Who cares? Like, by the way, I, I think I misspoke last week. Somebody said that I, I claimed that Kane's last one was in 2013. It wasn't. He's had one since then. Uh, Kane ain't fighting for the title anytime soon. I don't know if anybody's fighting for the title anytime soon. Because Miocic's in a bit of a contract dispute. Yep. So I, if I'm Cormier, you know what? I look at that and I, I this John Jones situation. And if the UFC is willing to offer me the same money that I'm that I'm making as a light heavyweight champion to fight at heavyweight, done. Do it. Let Luke Rockhold move up because that light heavyweight division needs people. It well, Vinny Fernando needs people. Vinny Fernando in the live chat says Rockhold would get pieced up by Gustafson and Vulcan. Possibly. Agree or disagree? You think so? Maybe, but I mean, maybe he'll be faster than those guys. That's the thing. I think he would bring speed to the division. Uh, but He's definitely very understand. dynamic. Yeah, Vinny, I, I totally understand what Vinny's saying because those two guys, uh, you know, Gustafson and Vulcan, Uzdemir, are beasts. And if they hit you, you're going to sleep. Uh, Gus alone with his footwork and his dynamics – his heart is a very difficult guy to finish. It's not going to be easy to do so. Uh, Vulcan just has to hit you once with what appears to be phantom punches, and you're going to sleep. So I get what you're saying. The thing is, though, with Luke Rockhold, he does have the height for that division. He's a really tall middleweight, and he, if, if he's smart, if he can get these guys down to the ground and control them, he can suck the will to win out of them and put them in compromising positions where he can get those submissions. So I would like to see Luke Rockhold at 205 pounds. I just think he doesn't have – or I, I just think he's got some unfinished business at 185 pounds. No matter what he says about not wanting to cut the weight, it sucks, guaranteed. Uh, but I want to see him stay at 185 uh, for the time being and then move up to 205. I wouldn't mind seeing him and Weidman at 205 against each other again. Run that back at 205 pounds, kind of let them feel out their bodies, see how that works. I love the idea of him going to 205 because there are just a ton of matchups there for him. Just a ton, man. I like the idea of Weidman moving up there too, but uh, it is what it is. But And that kind of transitions into our next show, which we will talk about after after we talk a little bit of Triple G Canelo. Shogun Hua, had he won if he fought, I would have probably said maybe give him a title shot. I but can't believe that. I cannot believe that we are having this discussion. Yeah, that's that's the situation we were in. And Shogun Cormier sounds kind of fun. <laughs> like it does. It sounds a little fun to me. But uh, we did have Triple G Canelo and... Uh, Wait! What? You, just made, you made a good point. Can you imagine Shogun takes out Daniel Cormier? Or sorry, Shogun defeats Daniel Cormier to become the champ. He you, would not have to worry about John Jones hey, at you, all. You give anybody one of those Shogun pant shitter kicks, and they'll they'll <laughs> double over, and that's a wrap, Playboy. Yeah. That's how it yeah. goes. It's amazing what John Jones has done to this division. Oops. It is. Yeah. It is. But and you know, I was on the road, and I got the news about Cormier being given the title back. Cormier, for, and I used to criticize him because he handled things very poorly. He made himself a heel in a situation where he should have never been the heel. He would do little things like he would pick on Kenny Florian and Dominic Cruz on UFC Tonight about their size and, hey, little man, stuff like that. Like, you know what I mean. And 
every time I've talked to him, he's such a nice dude. I'm like, why are you doing that for the camera? And I think it came through, and he came came off as a crybaby. He's not. He cried after the fight, and I don't think he's come off as a crybaby in this situation. I think he's handled it with astounding grace, with like just incredible, just just great. He's come off very great. He's. I love the let the due process play its way out. Like I've said before, that's a very fighters association thing to say. Because he's like, if this happened to me, I would want you all to see how due process is. What due process do you think that Adelaide Bird will be given? Well, I, uh, you know me. You've known me for long enough that I'm not one of those guys that buys conspiracy theories all the time. I listen to them. I read them. I understand them. But I cannot believe how many people saying boxing is fixed and blah, 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 blah. And, and Adelaide Bird's going to find herself in a lot of trouble right now because to be that far off with that scorecard, um, again, uh, and, and I said this before the Mayweather-McGregor fight. I said it after the Mayweather-McGregor fight. We didn't talk much about Triple G Canelo uh, on this podcast, but my eyes are trained to, to score fights differently than a boxing judge will. It's different to score MMA than it is in boxing because in, in MMA, nowadays, what you're looking for is, is – I guess it's the same in boxing, Sean. I don't really know. But you're there to finish the fight. You're there to fight. You're there not to gain points. Uh, but anything significant that lands will, will, will kind of get you to win that round. Now, in boxing, it's a little bit different. Uh, I did talk to Trigg about it. Uh, but I do want to get your thoughts on that because – you know. I don't necessarily agree with how Adelaide scored the fight, but I could see where some people say, you know what, Canelo did win that fight. Not by that large of a margin, but he did pull off a lot of those late rounds, maybe an early round or so, uh, to make it extremely close. Um, can you give that result to, to Triple G? Oh, hell yeah, you definitely can. But Canelo did enough to say, well, hold on a second, I'm here. I did pretty good as well. You know, And, and a, a draw to me, it's almost like, I don't mind a draw. We get to see it again. So she was the only judge who had Nam Fan beating uh, Leonard Garcia. The only one who had Melvin Gillard beating Jamie Varner. <laughs> she had Bernard Hopkins winning that, oh, ter- that, that 2008 fight. She had Canelo at 118-110. She had Amir Khan beating Canelo on the scorecards. She, she had, like, I mean, and this is... It's like, oh my god, like, it's like she took the reins, like, C.J. Ross handed the crown over to Adelaide Bird, like, here you go, <laughs> take it, do me proud. After C.J. Ross, you know, with the Pacquiao-Bradley and the, the Mayweather-Canelo thing, I'll never forget the way that Mayweather looked. Like, you can tell when Mayweather's putting on a show, and you can tell when he's genuine, and his genuine look of, huh, when they read the scorecards with Canelo, uh after his fight when C.J. Ross did that, it really is like, and it's a shame because it does hurt boxing. Yeah. Because the world's in a different place now, Joe. We know, we all really know we're being sold something. Everybody knows that it's ultimately about selling something. And when this happens, I think it it insults people's intelligence more than anything like, they're being sold a, a poor bill of goods. What's going to keep this from not happening again? But now we're in a situation where Triple G and Canelo could have fought once. They could end up fighting three or four times now. And if the fight goes like it did Saturday night, I'm all on board, Joe. 
Yeah, well, I, for one thing, you know that Canelo. I didn't mind the rope a dope. I didn't mind yeah. the rope a dope at all. I don't know who was who was manning the um, fightful account. Uh, who was saying that uh, the first time Canelo went off in the ropes uh, was it you or was it uh, Carlos? Carlos. So Carlos basically stated that you know Canelo can't be doing that, and I'm like, I don't mind it because it's he's rope doping him because Canelo has the speed and the precision to take a few shots to bob and weave against the ropes, not get hit at all, and then hit you with an uppercut left or right, or come off come off to the side and hit you with a left or right. The guy is fantastic, so I didn't mind the rope dope but as the fight went on, he was losing on the judges, most of the judges' eyes, two to three judges' eyes, by doing so. Will he do that in the second fight, Sean? I don't think so. I th- yeah, I think he's going to make major adjustments because he knows he was gifted a draw at that point, uh, or at least to that degree. Uh, by the way, guys, if you all missed it, myself and Carlos Toro did a post-show podcast. That is over at FightfulPods.com and uh, Fightful.com under our podcast section, or YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, all that stuff. But you were joined by one Frank Trigg, who discussed this and Luke Rockhold. Take a listen, folks. All right, joined by Frank Trigg here. Frank, a bunch of stuff happened uh, over the past week, weekend, uh, in combat sports. Uh, obviously, we're, we're, ha- we're still kind of uh, getting over the hangover from the money fight. But uh, it is what it is. There's a big boxing boat. Obviously, the UFC had an event, uh, and John Jones continues to make news. We'll touch on John Jones uh, at the end. But first things first, Luke Rockhold emerges victorious versus David Branch, then goes off and tells GSP to get out of that fight because that's his fight. I mean, what do you make of all this with Rockhold? Well, I've been saying this since the very beginning. G- GSP coming back in at welterweight, he absolutely deserves a title shot. Like, he wants to come back in at welterweight. Yeah, 100% get a title shot. He's going to back in at middleweight, a weight that he's never fought in. He's never been in that weight class at all, ever. He's moving up a weight class. And people that understand how sports work with weight, if you have to make a particular weight, when a person comes down from a heavier weight class, they get ranked higher because they were third or fourth. Uh, at 185, and now when they come down to 170, they're going to be ranked higher, probably second or third, depending you know, on, on how things go. When you move up a weight class, you tend to be unranked because you're moving up to bigger guys. They're obviously going to be stronger because they're assuming that everything else is equal. The wrestling, the grappling, the boxing, everything is all equal. So the bigger guy is going to be is going to have the advantage. That's just how the world works. Uh, it's GSP, though. So he's a huge pay-per-view draw. He's a huge number guy. This is a big deal for the UFC to make some money. It's another gimmick fight, which is kind of what they're going for. They're going for the money fights right now. They're going for the gimmick fights. It's a gimmick fight. It's a fight that either guy can win very easily. Uh, Bisman can beat GSP. GSP can beat Bisman. It's a very good fight matchup-wise. But Rockhold's right. He's the next guy in line. And now they're holding up the weight class. But the good news is that we all heard, and we talked about this before, GSP has to defend. So he wins the belt. He's got to defend. So Rockhold will be next in line. Oh, no, Whitaker. Or it's Whitaker's going to be next in line. And that's the thing, though, because it doesn't matter what the rankings are. It doesn't matter what Dana says. It's all BS because at the end of the day, they're going to put the fight that comes together that makes the most amount of sense for them to make money. So if Rockhold starts from the end of his fight talking about, get out of my way, GSP, you're taking a, you're, in, you're in my fight, and keeps talking noise all the way until it's time to fight either Bisman or, or, or uh, uh, GSP, then he's going to be the bigger fight, whether, whether Whitaker is there or not, because Whitaker's not a trash talker. Rockhold is learning, I got a trash talk. And, every, and all the other fighters out there better start listening right now. You want to get yourselves you know, put on top? Kevin Lee has talked his way into being one of the best guys in the weight class right now. How? Because he talked about it. 
He picked on you. He yelled at you. He poked you in the eye. Talked about your mother, and then he, and then he beat you up. And you're like, well, you got it. You got to listen to that guy. If he does it very quietly, he does it very very uh, under under the radar. Just like, oh shucks, ma'am, I I'm just here to do a good job and put on a good fight, and hopefully everyone's entertained and, and goes out there and wins. And no one's going to care, right? So Rockhold is in the path to go. He's going to overstep and be the next one in line. But I agree with him. Like I don't. I think GSP shouldn't be in there. I think he should have to fight a couple times before he gets in there. Especially didn't he announce he was coming back in January? We got to wait 10 months for this thing? That doesn't make any sense. That's kind of crazy. But who am I? I'm just a fan. I don't know anything. <laughs> got your point there. Uh, in terms of crazy, uh, Triple G and Canelo went down uh, on Saturday. Uh, a lot of talk uh, about one judge's scorecard, Ali Bird's scorecard. Uh, I think it was 118 to 110. Uh, give me your thoughts on the fights, the fight itself, and then when you heard uh, the judge's scorecards uh, and the fact that it was a draw or split draw. So... At about the seventh or eighth round, and me, and this is understand, I also know the judges. So I know how the judges judge. Like that's one of the things as a fighter that you really have to watch out for. Who are my refs? Who are my judges? I got to know. Because if it goes to decision, there is a shot that you can get screwed if you have the wrong set of judges. With your refing, you also have to know, is this guy going to stand me up quick? Is he going to push me apart? Is he going to separate us? You got to find all this stuff out. So you have to know it when you go in as a fighter. So I know all the judges, especially living in Nevada for as long as I did. I knew all the judges that were there. When we got to about after the eighth round, at the end of the eighth round, I told everybody in the room that I was at, I go, it's going to be a draw. Oh, no, shut up. Triple G's killing him. It's freaking it's amazing. Oh, my God. And I wanted Canelo. And I had Triple G winning by three rounds at the end of the fight. I had three rounds clear. Now, mind you, I'm drinking scotch. I'm talking. I'm not paying attention the entire fight. So my three rounds of Triple G being up, not paying attention that hard, going, oh, yeah, 100%. He, he's up by three rounds, tells you something. When I knew it was going to be a draw after the eighth round, and I tell me it's going to be a draw after the eighth round, and I still had Triple G winning, but I knew it was going to go to a draw. I just knew it was. Because boxing is, and I think maybe I have a, I, I'm wrong. So I try to judge boxing the same way I judge MMA. And I think that I have it incorrect. Because I'm always wrong. I'm always wrong. Either that or, is there, or the judges are so bad that Nevada has to get rid of all the judges and, and start all over again because it, it makes no sense to me. But Adelaide Bird has been sat down once before. Um, there was a, it was the Mir Khan fight. She had a Mir Khan winning the entire fight until he got knocked out, and he was clearly not winning. So I'm not sure. And mind you, give her the benefit of the doubt. The judges are in three different three different positions throughout the throughout the ring. I can only judge what I see from this angle. The other judge judges what they see from that angle. The other judge judges what they see from that angle. So we're in different angles. We're seeing different things. We don't always see, you know, uh, how things connect. We can't always score things the same way. But you're usually pretty close. This was astronomically wrong. You know, I, I figured the other judge had it. Obviously, one had to draw 114-114. I figured the other judge had it. For Triple G, it was like uh, um, Adelaide had eight rounds for Triple G out of the 12. And the other guy had like seven or eight or nine rounds for Triple G. So you have one rep that looks for Canelo eight rounds, and one that looks for Triple G, eight rounds. Well, that's a 16-round swing. How is that even possible? It doesn't make any sense. So something's going down. I heard a rumor, or, or somebody told me that they saw that, that Nevada has sat uh, uh, Adelaide down again. But what does that mean? You should go back and get education. You should go back and, like, take classes. You should have to go take, you know, some boxing uh, judging class again before she can come back in and get uh, put on another title fight. Like, what's going to happen? You know, and what's going to happen? And honestly – it kind of makes Nevada look a little bit bad because now every other boxer wants to come in town. It's like, we might save money because there's no tax, there's no tax rate because you don't, you don't have personal income tax in Nevada. 
So they're going to be like, yeah, it's great to go to Nevada because I'm going to save a lot of money on my taxes, but I have a shot at getting screwed by the judges. I might as well go to California. You know, it's safe for me to be in California. And I kind of feel like the rematch that they're going to have is going to be in California. I really do. And and I believe it's going to be sometime. Like my guess, I would not be surprised if they're like, look, Cinco de Mayo. We fought on Mexican Independence Day for Canelo. We're now going to fight on Cinco de Mayo for Canelo. And Triple G doesn't care. He doesn't care when the fight is, where the fight is. He just wants to fight. And I think the fight's going to be a lot closer this next time around. If they do get to a, a rematch, or it does happen, no matter when it happens, I think it's going to be a much closer fight. I think Canelo is young enough to learn from his mistakes in that fight and knows that, hey, I can, I got to stay off the ropes more and I got to push forward. So now boxing after this incredible year, Wilder, or not, not Wilder. Wilder is fighting soon, though, at the Barclays Center. I'm sure Carlos will be there. You've had Joshua Klitschko. You've had Canelo Cesar Chavez Jr., which wasn't a great fight, but did great pay-per-view numbers. Mayweather McGregor, and now Canelo Triple G. It's kind of slowing down. It's slowing down a little bit. They still have the World Boxing Super Series, which Carlos writes about every Thursday in the Fightful Boxing Newsletter. Make sure you all check that out. But, uh... Yeah, I think I hope that Triple G Canelo's scorecards from one judge didn't leave a sour taste because that was an awesome fight. Well, the fight was absolutely spectacular. I mean, we, there's, there's no doubt that anyone that watched that fight and said it was a snooze fest doesn't even get me to, to raise my eyebrows. Just like, okay, next. To me, that fight was absolutely fantastic. Um, I don't believe, I mean, but you could look at the fact that that one scorecard. We'll have people intrigued to watch the next one because now it's unfinished business, right? It's as silly as it sounds. I mean, I saw that uh, the Teddy Atlas uh, reply there. Uh, I don't think it was from that, but that was uh, hilarious. Yeah, was it? That wasn't from that fight. That was yeah, from something was. else. Yeah, I was gonna was. say like, wait a second. I mean, why, why would Todd Grisham be calling that fight for anybody? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, and that's not a, that's not a shot at Todd. I'm just saying Todd doing other stuff. Um, Canelo Halberos. <laughs> versus Gonatti Grandpa Gladkin. Terrible. terrible. You just don't get it. No, you do get it. You're just, you're just being mean. Um, to me, there is intrigue. I don't know what, what this does for boxing per se, other than elevate it, sort of bring it back. But the bottom line is boxing or MMA or combat sports in general, I would say the vast majority of people – need polarizing characters to follow, to be in love with, to want to see fight, whether win or lose. Uh, the matchup Triple G and Canelo had a lot of that. People love Canelo. People love Triple G. Uh, it's a great fight. It was promoted. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
uh, correctly or sometimes incorrectly when you think about Oscar De La Hoya and some of his social media posts. Um, I think it's good for boxing. I don't know longevity-wise how much they could sustain from this type of fight. We're, we're going we're gonna to enjoy the second one, Sean. We are. We're all going to be tuned in. Uh, I don't see why they can't put it together. The other issue is just simply – what about after this? What's going to happen after this? I mean, what's going to happen with Anthony Joshua? What's happening with him? You know, like yeah. boxing to me, you need polarizing figures. It's not the same as it was back in the day with De La Hoya, Floyd Mayweather, and Tyson, and Lennox Lewis, and stuff like that. Their stars are dwindling away. They're not able to promote them. I mean, I don't know much about American television. We have tons of American television up here, Sean. But I didn't see you know some of these guys appearing on any sort of talk shows, despite the language barrier. There's got to be some way to promote them on mainstream television because that's the audience you want to tap into. Yeah, I would agree. I think that Oscar should have been. It seemed like Oscar was so worried about Mayweather McGregor that a lot of his attention was taken off of the great fight that he had. But. Now we got UFC Japan, and there's really oh, about five fights to talk about here. Formiga, <laughs> Sasaki, uh, Gokan Saki versus De Silva, Gomi and Kim, Gedelia Andrade and OSP Okami. I mean, I'm not looking for OSP Okami to be very good, but I mean, good for Okami getting his end back into the UFC. Yeah, of course, but we saw what happened uh, when he fought uh, Tim Boach in Japan. I was there for that one. Uh, he better one of have the his greatest A-game. finishes ever. Yeah, yeah. We used to call. We used to, it used to be a joke when I used to be cage side after that event, and I would I would literally tweet if a fighter's losing and he has to come back, he's got to boach him. Quote boach him uh, in the third round because I mean that was a spectacular European uppercuts in a row. I had never seen anybody do European uppercuts, William Regal style. Until I saw that. That was beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Roy Sorio, we're going to get to that in about two seconds. He's asking about Ronda and Cyborg. We'll get to that uh, in a second. Um, I'm obviously looking at OSP to pull off this victory. Uh, obviously, with, with Yushin taking this fight on relatively short notice, pretty much a lot of short notice, uh, OSP should win this fight, uh, perhaps even get a finish. What say you? Well, Okami, you know, he can be finished. He hasn't been finished in three years. He's riding a four-fight winning streak, and he's still he's solid. Despite his, he got cut from the UFC because he was a boring fighter. That's what happened. That's just what happened. And at this stage, thirty-six, like how much has he evolved? I, I doubt any. But Ovin St. Pru is so inconsistent. In the cage, like it's hard for me to sit there and say, "Yeah, he'll definitely win." Like, it's it's really really tough because, okay, like I mean, he was in there in April against a guy who got Von Flu choked, and you know how I feel about those guys, Joe. If they get Von Flu choked, I question their awareness, I question their ability, I question their talent. It's if so bad because anytime someone go. gets a Von Flu choke or makes an attempt, I literally cringe. I'm like, Sean's gonna lose his marbles, yeah. Sean. Right now, is losing his marbles. It is literally one of the first things you learn after you do a grappling session. Uh, almost everybody's been there. You hold on to the guillotine choke too long. You're like, oh, I still got him. Then you get tapped out. And then your coach comes and says, don't ever do that again. Let go. Well, that, that's, that's the one win that OSP has since, like, 
since February of last year. And that win was against Feijal. And Feijal fell off the cliff. His win before that was Patrick Cummins, who at the time, the blueprint was punch him in the face. Well, that's exactly what he did. The, the, the Shogun win still holds up as, my, as most impressive, and that's what he's riding on right now. Now, granted, he's lost to Bader, to Shara, Jones, Manoa, Ozdemir. Anytime he makes that leap up in competition, with the exception of Shogun, he's been uh, beaten pretty handily. He went to a split decision with Ozdemir, so that, that isn't necessarily the case. But I don't, I'm not writing Okami off, but I am not looking forward to that fight one bit. I am looking forward to Gedalia Andrade, though. Oh, if there was ever a women's fight where I hope the cage can contain the two combatants, this is it. They need a flying cage. <laughs> well, it's Japan. There's a lot of spectacle, uh, crazy stuff that happens in Japan. Yeah. You never really know. But, man, is this fight going to be an absolute just... Oh, I can't wait. I may not even pick up my phone. I might close my laptop when I'm watching this fight here. This is going to be an absolute... I, I On paper... It's a barn burner. We've seen that happen before where it turns out to be boring. I cannot see these two putting on a boring fight. You got a bulldog against someone that just got so technical and so I mean, oh, I'm excited, dude. I'm so excited for this fight. It's like now everybody who's fed to Joanna then gets fed to Gedalia because they know the drill, they know what's up. Gedalia ain't losing anybody but Joanna. And uh she be she finished Kavalkovich in June. That was that was Impressive to me because she hadn't finished a fight in like four or five years, or or, or no, she finished she finished Tomasaki in Invicta, but she hadn't had a fight finished that early in, in years. So this is one I'm excited for. And if you're Gedalia, you got this question like, what do you do? Do you hang around in this division where you've lost to the champion twice, or do you yeah. try to go at 125? I can't wait for this fight. I think Gedalia's going to take it, but Andrade, man, she's got... she's Andrade is... She's going to move up to 125, I would imagine. I mean, she used to fight at 135, so... Yeah. I would imagine 125 is better suited for her, so this could be the last time we see either woman at 115. Unless Johanna moves up, which yeah. she may, some way, somehow. The UFC would love to have her in alternating events. Like yes. January, March, May. She'd be willing, it seems. Oh, she's got issues. They, they may, the she may be interested issues. in fighting 115, 125, 135 the way that she acts. Yeah, she's amazing. Uh, I don't know about the next fight, though. Takanori Gomi, uh, who I think is cruising for his fifth straight loss, because I think he's lost four in a row, uh, five of his last six. Uh, he's taken on uh, the other Dun Young Kim, the maestro. Um I don't mind this fight. It's just that Gomi's had his time. I mean, why is he still fighting? We know what they're doing here, but yeah. what are you doing here? Yeah. That That's really all I had to say about this. Takanori Gomi hasn't won a fight in three and a half years. He's lost four in a row. We know why he's there. We all know. He fights in Japan and in China and in Singapore and... Occasionally they'll throw them on like an International Fight Week show or a July show where they need to just a little something extra. It's, yeah, man. Well, we're not expecting He'll be much. 39 by the time the fight happens, I think. No, oh, God. Um, it's the debut of Gokin Saki. Now, he has fought in mixed martial arts before. Mm -hmm. He's lost. He's 0-1. Uh, he got TKO'd, actually, in that fight. 
But this is a guy that brings, uh, you know, I wouldn't say an unprecedented striking acumen or pedigree to the octagon because there's been some world-class strikers there before. But this guy's a bad man in the stand-up. Now, the question is, will Henrique da Silva decide to stand and bang with this guy or be like, uh-uh, we're going down to the ground? Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I'm pulling for Gokan Saki because I, I would love that, like, I would love if he became the younger Mark Hunt. That's you know what yeah. I mean? I would really, yeah. I would, it would be, I would really dig that. There were, you know, there was that time, there were a time where like he and Bader Hari, they would try, they tried MMA once, it didn't go their way, and they were like, no more. He came back. I would love to see Bader Hari come back too. That would be a, a nice mm-hmm. one. They're about the same age too. But if Gokan Saki wins this, I would put him against Mark Hunt. I would do that immediately. That's the fight. That's the fight mm-hmm. I would book. Gokan Saki and Mark Hunt. And it would only be Just poetic. as a one-off to get him to go to heavyweight. Yeah. And it would be okay. poetic if Mark Hunt submitted him with a double wrist lock. <laughs> <laughs> right? You imagine? That would be absolutely hilarious. No, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to this. Only because anytime we get someone uh, of this world-class caliber of whatever oh. martial art, even when Henry Cejudo got into MMA, uh, we'll talk about Aaron Pico in a bit, you just want to see if they go back and they only, or they, they, they rely solely on their strength or they decide to do something else. Now, in MMA, obviously, the fight starts standing up. It's different for a wrestler who has to work for that takedown. The opposite will be here for Saki, who has to worry about getting taken down. He has to defend the takedown per se. Uh, but man, when this guy's hands start going, I mean, he doesn't smell blood. He creates blood, then smells it, then goes for destruction. So uh, Henrique da Silva better be, you know, I'm sure he knows. He's got to be aware of what's yeah. going to happen here. But ooh, this is, I'm, I'm. I'm I just want to see what Saki brings to the octagon now. They they match Saki up with a striker, yeah, who has lost three fights in a row. They they know what they're doing. They know what I think Silva knows what the deal is too. But I I gotta say honestly, this this fight may be of the entire weekend one of the ones I'm looking most forward to. Also, uh, Formiga fighting Olka Sasaki. Uh, good chance that Olga Sasaki's going to lose, but still, the fact that he beat Justin Scoggins, went to yeah. a decision with Wilson Hayes, lost that decision, I've noticed a major, like, a shift in Sasaki from 2015 to 2016. He took almost a year off, and he's looked much better, even though he's just 2-1, and one, he looks much better than he did in that like seven-month original run that he had with the UFC. Now I wonder partly. I, I I wondered if his if his struggles early were because he had never really fought outside of Japan before, and then he went to Brazil and Germany. But he moved to flyweight, fought in the Netherlands, beat Willie Gates. He came back over to the states, went to a decision with Wilson Hayes, didn't get the win, but went to a decision. And if I remember, that was just a, a tune-up fight for Wilson Hayes. That was to keep Wilson Hayes busy. Uh, then he went back to Singapore, beat Justin Scoggins, got performance of the night. So with as inconsistent as Formiga is, because as I've said on this show before, Joe, they would love to give Formiga a title shot. Mm-hmm. Like, they would love that opportunity. They probably should have in 2015 when he won three in a row. But he has trouble piecing wins together, and... 
I, that could be the case here too. So I know MMA math doesn't always work. We all know that. Sometimes it does, sometimes it does. But let me ask you a quick question about two different fighters, Justin Scoggins uh, and Jose Formiga. Who would you say is the faster striker, more precise striker? Probably Formiga. You think so? Yeah. Because I'd say Scoggins. Well, it, it depends. Well, it it depends on the weight cut Scoggins had on any given <laughs> event. Honestly, so that's that's the thing. Yeah. If all the reason things, why I asked, if like, all things were equal and they were with one hundred percent, I'd probably say Scoggins. But man, like that, he he shouldn't be a one twenty five er, and that's that's a problem. Well, the reason why I'm asking that is I'm like if 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 Sasaki could handle Scoggins' power and speed, and then be able to pull out a rear naked choke, I wouldn't be surprised if he pulls this off against Formiga. Yeah. Right. You've yeah. dealt with someone like Scoggins, who many of us always say, you know. Forget about the weight cut because the guy's just – he's never going back to 125. Oh, he's back at 125. Oh, 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 right? I mean that was a performance of the night that he got there. Like I mean Sasaki did really, really good in that fight. So when the matchup was first announced against Formiga, I'm like, I like this because this one can go either way. Yeah, so it's a I'm, good – like you know, Formiga's always going to be in those rankings. Like he's just – he was one of those guys when they, they started the division that that – I think that his place in the division then carries weight until now. Now, keep in mind, when they started this division, Joe, this was like, what, five years ago? He was like a 26, 27-year-old prospect at that point. Yeah. He's yeah. a 32-year-old man trying to retain relevance, and somehow he's still ranked number five in that division. This shift that we see, we saw it in the likes of like Brandon Thatch. We saw it in and so many guys that we talk about. How it doesn't seem like it's that long ago, and this division started. When this division started, Joe, there were so many question marks around it because it was so new. And a lot of the best fighters in this weight division hadn't fought each other or even fought in that weight division. But now we're starting to see things hash out, and he loses to Henry Cejudo. He loses to Benavidez. He loses to Dodson. He loses to Ray Borg. When he fights the top-level guys, Formiga runs into a lot of trouble. He's beaten Hayes. He's beaten... Carriasso, he's beaten Makovsky, some guys who have been to the mountaintop in places or near the mountaintop. It's just consistency, and I wonder when those losses to tip-top guys or top five guys become losses to top ten guys or top 15 guys or top 20 guys. That's what I wonder. Yeah. I also wonder about what you're about to reply right now. Uka Sasaki is a plus 350 underdog. I'm taking that. I'm taking that just Just because. Yeah, just because. Just because. I will take that in a heartbeat. Uh, we'll have more on that this Friday. Or no, it's actually going to have to be Thursday, ladies and gentlemen. I'll have to get a video done uh, on Thursday for uh, my fun bets for Japan. Uh, we'll get into that for sure. Uh, any other belt that you'd like to look at on this card here before we move on? Not a damn one. <laughs> Bellator 183. Bellator 183. Well, it's headlined by, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of this guy, uh, Pit Bull? Bull. Pit Bull. You? No. Patricky Pitbull uh, and his brother uh, Patrizio. Like, how have they not had Pit Bull perform as the main event of one of their shows yet? I don't know. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, this isn't a bad card. No, no, it's not. The And the kickboxing card, I'm not familiar with a ton of the names, but the kickboxing portion kind of loaded, too. We won't talk about too much of it, but... A welterweight championship, a featherweight championship, then on like even below that, 
You have Jarena Bars, who's known for by MMA fans for beating Cyborg. Yep. And Joe Schillings, who is known for MMA fans, is either getting knocked out or knocking people out. Period. <laughs> that's how. That's just how it is. And um, that's that's pretty interesting. Now, the prelims of this card, garbage. Garbage. But <laughs> you got Aaron Pico looking to bounce back. Right the wrong that was supposed to be his debut. Yes. You have Yamaguchi, who has won five of his last six against uh, an undefeated uh, Piccolodi guy. I can't pronounce his name. Who has undefeated, won five in a row in in Bellator. That's something to watch out for. Has just I mean, he submitted a guy with a neck crank. So I'm a fan of that. You know, as a catch wrestler. <laughs> but then you have Paul Daly, Lorenz Larkin, Javi Ayala, Roy Nelson, Ben Henderson versus. Uh, Patricky Pitbull. It's a fun show. Yeah. I, I'm excited. I, I Just because I want to see the answer that Aaron Pico comes comes with in this fight here. Because it was such a stunner to have to see him lose the way he did in his debut. That now you're kind of like, okay, dude, like what did you learn? Because it wasn't that long ago, but what did you learn? Let's see what you can bring now to Justin Lin. Uh, the Paul Daly and Lorenz Larkin fight, let's just be honest, it's going to be an absolute destruction like something's going to happen here that's going to be crazy uh i think lawrence larkin's going to punish paul daly for signing the contract but paul daly has a uh, this ability to to tag you and your game changes pretty quick uh we get to see the debut the bellator debut of roy nelson uh versus ayala and we'll see what roy nelson now brings to his mixed martial arts career other than the sean ross sap theory of thank you for the check as long as it clears <laughs> so it's just one of those things. And, and that's then, a Viacom check. You know that's clearing. Oh, for sure. Uh, and then, of course, Henderson Pipple uh, in that main event. These Pipple brothers, man, you just don't know. You just don't know. Well, Pico is fighting a guy who's seven and I think what seven and three, but uh, or seven and two, se- or no, he's seven and three. Lost a couple fights in a row. Yeah, maybe he gets it done. We're, we're going to have a lot of questions answered about Aaron Pico in this fight. The Yamaguchi fight, that's an interesting one in that lightweight division. That that could breed a contender eventually. Daily Larkin. <laughs> that's the one I'm looking at because Daly said, yeah, I'm feeling kind of old, man. He straight Ooh. up said it, and he said he wants to put some pain on MVP. He's another guy where Miles is catching up. 33 doesn't sound old. But when you've had, oh, I don't know, a hundred fights across kickboxing and MMA and boxing, Muay Thai, whatever the hell else he's done, then yeah, you're, you're going to have those cage miles. So they're just giving him the good, exciting fights now, and I'm all for that. Lorenz Larkin should get this done. He is a much more well-rounded fighter, and I think he can hold his own on the feet. Uh, I just noticed my my footage on the YouTube channel. Why didn't you tell me I look like there's going to be a little small clown called It or whatever the guy, Pennywise, is going to come and just come get me right now because I look like I'm in a sewer. I mean, that's part of the appeal. It is over <laughs> right now. I mean, it's <laughs> the that's, reason, what's, that's what's hot in the streets. The blinds, I, I've got them shut in my office here because at this time of the day, it is basically a spotlight the sun is just blasting my face, so the right side of my face looks like it's on. It's just glowing, so that's why I drew the blinds, and I just went over to look at the chat, and I'm like, I'm in a sewer. 
looks like I'm in a sewer, so I apologize, ladies and gentlemen, that are viewing this right now, that I look like uh, there's going to be a little clown coming to get me real soon. Uh, is what it is. Anything else other than a flying cage that you would like to discuss about with this Bellator card, which we will recap as part of uh, our Saturday night special? Yeah, Javi Ayala stands a real good chance of beating Roy Nelson. Like, nobody's, well, nobody's talking about this Bellator show at all, which we will actually discuss in a moment, but, man, Roy Nelson just ain't good anymore. He's just not good anymore. That's it. And he I don't think he's been good. Really, he got some... He's, he's beat guys like Brendan Schaub, Stefan Struve, Krokop, so he was good at that point. But man, the Noguera win looks a lot better on paper than it... And, and eh, it wasn't what... Man, I don't know. How do I... I think he's overrated. I think the guy's overrated. Is he a you nice see? is he a nice guy? I'm sure, but his look has garnered him a following. Like there are things that he did, like when he said, "Oh, when I get to 100,000 Facebook fans, I'll drop to 205," which I'm sure a lot of people liked that for his health. And then he said, "LOL, JK." Javi mm. Ayala yeah. stands a good chance of winning this fight, but if Roy Nelson gets a win and they could throw him in a Bellator heavyweight title fight and nobody would flinch, but, you know, uh, I'm sour on Roy Nelson. Like, you know, fool me 16 times, shame on <laughs> Gotcha, gotcha. Um, you know, that Matt Mitrione rematch could happen in a heartbeat in yeah, Bellator. Right? Uh, even win or lose for Roy, believe it or not. It could potentially happen because uh, Matt coming off that victory from Fedor may ask for Roy Nelson uh, to avenge that loss. Uh, Ole Samuel A. makes a good point in the chat, though. Uh, it's like we've forgotten, and he says, damn it, MVP versus Semtex is the only fight I want to see in Bellator, and it might never happen. I think it'll happen. Uh, there are a lot of fights I want to see in Bellator, personally. I, I want to see this Ben Henderson versus Pitbull fight. Ben Henderson's taken about 10, 11 months out of the cage. So I want to see this fight. I want to see how he looks against uh, against this pit bull after after the injury last year. We've not seen Ben Henderson win a fight like outside of an injury in Bellator, and Patricky is on kind of a hot streak. He beat Josh Thompson, he beat Souza, he beat Ryan Couture. They both lost to Chandler, but I, I'm very interested to see how Ben Henderson looks in this fight. Because we might not see many more Ben Henderson fights. He said repeatedly, repeatedly, he would love to retire at 33 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before we leave this card here, did you have a chance to read the press release from Bellator? And if so, I don't understand why they would want a flying cage. Why? No, what if what something I'm going goes to do wrong? Is read it live on the air. <laughs> Right now. Why? I don't understand why they would want to do that. If something goes go. wrong, you're... Ugh. Bellator's flying cage, with a trademark symbol next to it, set to make inaugural U.S. appearance at the SAP Center in San Jose, California, on Saturday, September 23rd, during Bellator 183, Henderson vs. Pitbull. I gotta, I gotta do the spike voice. <laughs> and Bellator Tickboxing 7, Ross vs. Lamerno. 
A must-see spectacle. The steel structure is suspended from above and lowered to the platform beneath, allowing the Bellator kickboxing ring to completely transform into the Bellator MMA cage in less than 15 minutes. Having been featured at previous events in Florence, Italy, Torino, Italy, and Budapest, Hungary, the flying cage has never before been utilized in the United States. Bellator is proud to bring this unique experience to its bay home at SAP Center in San Jose, California on September 23rd. They also sent me a private link to a video of the flying cage. God, I love you, CJ Tuttle. You are a gem. Bellator, their PR is great. They always, they're, they're good people. This is funny. It is. I actually have the same email. I just saw it come in. It was in my, it was in not my spam, but my promotions folder. I see it. All right. I've got a private link as well, which I'll, I'll, I'm going to enjoy. Maybe. We'll see. Oh, my God. I don't understand. All right. Uh, let's move on there. We did discuss why no buzz for Bellator. Well, there's their buzz right there. We're, we're creating it for them, partially. Um, considering they had an event the day before Mayweather-McGregor, I guess they were trying to capitalize on that. Um, but why no buzz for this? Real buzz. I don't know. Last week's UFC show didn't have a lot. This week's UFC show doesn't have a lot. Maybe it was a victim of too much going on. I don't know. It's it's a bummer, but we're starting to see Bellator shows loaded the way that they should be, and I appreciate that. That means more coverage for them. Um, yeah. Well, why do you think there's no buzz? Again, it, it goes back to my theory that you need polarizing figures for fans to fall in love with to watch and or guys that have a name or, or girls that have a name that you can promote. You know, we all saw, you know, the, the big numbers that Shamrock versus Gracie got and, and Kimbo Slice and, and Data 5000, what they got. Um, it's all about – it's not just about the promotion. It's about – sorry, the mixed martial arts promotion. It's about the fighters as well. If you don't have that star appeal – you don't have people aren't going to watch. I mean, I don't know if I went out on the streets right now and I start talking about. I, I mentioned the word Bellator. The vast majority of people out here would be like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Yeah, you know. Well, it's an, it's the number two organization in the world, south of the UFC. Huh? You know or who something? is a polarizing figure, Joe? Two polarizing know. figures: Frank Trigg and John Jones. <laughs> it's time for your double dose. Of frankly speaking. We saw a fight of the year candidate, which was a rematch between Daniel Cormier and John Jones, and then the big news comes out with John Jones uh, allegedly testing positive. Uh, the B sample was tested, it was then tested. Uh, same result. So John Jones finds himself uh, in a whole heap of trouble right now what do you make of this whole situation and is that it for john jones i mean will he if he gets the maximum suspension of four years will he come back or or is he going to fade away i mean look in your crystal ball what do you see happening with this whole john jones scenario well first of all i don't think it's allegedly anymore right he's failed both a and b he's failed he's failed his his samples came back hot he's failed two samples whether he's guilty or not is the question that that's the question is it tainted supplement? Is it, you know, whatever. But from my understanding of the, of the drug that he was on, 
it's so expensive. It only comes oral. It's not an injectable. It's only oral. It's so expensive to put inside of a supplement. It makes no sense to have it in a supplement to make, make a tainted supplement because it would increase the price if you're selling by three or four times. So it makes no sense to have it in there. Um, the only other thing you can come out to is like somebody's trying to get them. So somebody's trying to screw them. So they, but who, who in this camp is trying to, like, you, he, they said beforehand, before when he was passed all the other tests that, that he, that he clearly passed, that he has been under complete control. They're watching everything he puts in his body. They're checking everything. They're double checking everything. They're getting it sent out for sampling and all that other stuff. And all of a sudden now he gets popped again. So at Jackson Winkle John, where, where John, John trains, to my knowledge, he's the only athlete that they've had down there that has failed three times, three consecutive times. So one time he's using everything, you know, the nutritious, the strength conditioning from Winkle John and Jackson. Then one time he wasn't. I don't know what happened this last time if he was or wasn't. But how can a, how can this guy get a tainted supplement? It's all it's always so. It's always somebody else's fault. Every every time he gets caught on something, it's somebody else's fault, and that drives me nuts about a champ that's as good as John Jones is that can run the gamut the way that he does, he's always blaming somebody else for when there's a problem. Like, well, how, how is this somebody else's fault? You're, you're a damn adult. Like, you're, you're, a, you're a man now. Like, this is not, this is not some 24-year-old guy that just won the title and the youngest, the youngest, champ, youngest champ ever. This is a guy that's 30 years old now. At what point can you stop? Do you have to go, look, it's all my fault. I pay for my coaches. I pay for my training partners. I pay for my nutritionist. I pay for my – so it's on you. You're the one that's paying for these people. You're the one that's under control of all this. Get your camp together. Get your shit together. Four years for him, it's like GSP being off for four years. It's really not that big of a deal. Right? GSP only fought one time a year anyway, so he only missed four fights. Most guys missed eight fights. Some guys missed 12 fights if they're not fighting for in, in a four-year window. GSP only lost four. He's not going to be that much bad, you know, that much more more off his game as he, as he would be anyway. With John Jones, he could come back in four years, but the same thing's going to happen to GSP. Is going to happen. The same thing that's going to happen to GSP when he fights Bisping will happen for John Jones. The game has changed. The people have changed. The game has grown. It's a different ballgame. If you stay trained the entire four years and never fade away from the gym and knowing that you'll make this huge comeback, you're still going to be behind it's because ring time counts. Being in that live event counts. It always counts. Not saying that he's not going to win the championship again. Not saying he's going to lose his fights. But what I'm saying is he's going to be a different man. It's going to be a different sport. So it's going to be interesting to see if that does happen. And I do believe, I do believe that John's going to get the four-year suspension. I think that's what's going to happen. Like, yeah, you're right. It's a tainted supplement. We told you the last time. You're in control. Everything that goes in your system. You're up for four years. That's what you're getting. You're getting four years. That's what's going to happen. Like, I mean, you got to, at some point, you've got to stop and go, somebody has to be held accountable. What athlete are we going to make, make everyone else, to show everybody else that we're really serious about this? We're not going to, we're not going to pull back on it? Screw it, John Jones. I mean, that's just unfortunate. It's just the guy that's going to be, he's the guy that's next in line. So I feel bad for him, but I also think he's an idiot at the same time. You know, uh, I wish him well. I hope, I hope it comes out where he kind of, they find the problem. They find it's a false test. They find all these other things. Um, so we, we uh, MMA as a whole can get clear of it because MMA looks bad. You know, our, our best champ is, is, is on the way. I have, I have him as the number one pound for pound best champ in the world until he gets removed. And then Dimitri Sonson takes that space back over again. And that's just the way the way it is. John is just that much better. And unfortunately, Demetrius probably would have flip flopped this last weekend, but Ray Borg pulled out for whatever reason he pulled out for. So that screwed up DJ. Now we got to wait on on John to find out what's happened with him. And this man, Joe, this thing could take a year. 
if we get a final a final decision on it, appeal this, appeal that, or we have to push it one more time. We're not ready. John's sick, or uh, one of the commissioners is sick and can't show up for the meeting. Like, there's all sorts of crap going on. This thing's gonna get pushed for a while. One topic that uh, we didn't have listed that I wanted to address because it happened right after our show last week. Daniel Cormier gets a light heavyweight title back. I had said for weeks that if I thought that the Yana Evinger fight was the precedence, it was made a no contest, so therefore the fight technically didn't really happen in in a way. The title change never happened if it's a no contest. So the fight or the title was returned to Tanya Evinger when that happened. Whether it's an illegal strike, whether it's the ref screwing up the rules, or whether it's a drug test, if it becomes a no contest in that manner, I think the right move was made. Daniel Cormier was given the title. Now, you're going to have some people, including our boy Nikita Krylov fan, who says, no, let Cormier fight for it, but not the title. And I was like, man, you got to give it back to him. you got to give it back to him. I concur. And I'm okay with it. Now, if he decides to move up to heavyweight and says, just pay me the same... I think a lot of people would almost appreciate that. You know what I mean? I think a lot of his detractors would be like, okay, he knows the score in this division. Now he wants to try his luck at heavyweight. But I think it was the right move, and I love how Daniel Cormier handled that situation. It's been very classy, even you know, even kind of protecting John Jones and asking people to be nice uh, to John Jones. But yeah, I, I concur with everything, this whole situation. He deserves the belt back. He lost it to a guy uh, that's you know been caught. You know, and as much as that, you can make people will make the argument that you know PEDs do not make you a great fighter. Well, they they help you recover. I'll tell you that. You know, I mean, you talk to anyone that's ever been on it, it's insane the recovery. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever heard of Vito Belfort, but anyways, um, sorry. Uh, no, I agree. I agree. I just again, th- where does John Jones go from here, man? Because four years is a long time, and Frank said it best when he said that GSP, the game has changed since GSP left. At GSP, we we're going to find out how much, how much, how good he still is since he left the sport, and we're going to see how John Jones is going to be four years from now if he chooses to return to the sport again. We have to talk about the due process. For all we know, he could, he could come back innocent. We don't know, but what if yeah. he does? What if he comes back and it's like it, it's ruled a tainted supplement or whatever, Wouldn't and it's like me. no, yeah. At that point, then what? Wouldn't shock me, and, and you know, right. I know that Frank said that it's such an expensive supplement that he doesn't see it being tainted. But I mean, that's that's not always that's not why things get tainted. It isn't necessarily always to help the supplement in question. It's just cross contamination type of deal. Like that, that's unfortunately how it happens. Wouldn't shock me at all if it ended up being a tainted supplement. If it's something that is disclosed on John Jones's uh, papers. And it comes back that that supplement was tainted. Sure, it happens. Um, it just I so mean, happens that it's thundering here now, Sean. So I'm even darker on the screen. Well, <laughs> you know, there are clowns in your house right now. <laughs> Speaking of clowns, oh, Edmund awesome. Tiverdian. <laughs> that segue. It's terrible. Keep in mind, do that? while his former students are off getting signed by WWE. He's trying to hold on to the one that didn't leave him prior. And, uh, by the way, shout-outs to Shayna Baszler for her great performance in the Mae Young Classic. But it said that he wants Rousey to fight Cyborg. Now, before the UFC, 
I thought Rousey stood a fair chance because of her clinch work and the way that Cyborg fought. Cyborg doesn't fight like that anymore. She uses her range exceptionally well now. Cyborg used to start with her range, then get in really close up against the cage and be like within an arm's reach of somebody where Ronda Rousey could have clinched and could have grappled very well. That's not how Cyborg fights anymore. Cyborg grew. And from what we've seen, Ronda Rousey didn't grow. She knocked out Betch Kohea and got this false confidence in her hands. Now, she had an amazing amount of core power, which translated to knockout power because of her years of judo. Her technique was poor. If Ronda Rousey catches anybody, you just never know because she does have knockout power. There is no disputing that. Even Holly Holm said that when she got hit by Ronda Rousey, in her mind she said, well, let's not make a habit of that because that really sucked. Ronda Rousey has knockout power. I wonder how Ronda Rousey would have been had she had technique with that. And if you don't have technique with that, that is a very scary battle for a Chris Cyborg in general. It is exceptionally scary when Chris Cyborg keeps you at arm's reach, backs you up against the cage, stands on the outside, picks you apart, and as she picks you apart, she doesn't sacrifice any power for that range. So... If I were to set a line on that fight, Joe, I'd probably say, like, plus 400 Chris Cyborg. Like, yeah, it would be a very generous line. I'm not saying that Chris Cy or that Ronda Rousey couldn't beat her. Uh, there, it's anything's possible. Any, yeah. I mean, Cyborg got tapped to a double knee bar once. Anything's possible. Yeah, it's one of those things, though, that you could set that line up at, at minus 400, but you know the public would be all over that line because it's Ronda Rousey. Hype drives lines. It's one of the driving factors for lines to move it one way or the other. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how many bookies would keep that line if they were to make it minus 400 because that's a legit line right there, right? So yeah. I, I just don't think that Ronda right now has a chance against Cyborg. Um, would I want to see the fight? Yeah, because anything can happen in MMA. For all we know, Ronda's able to get an underhook, Cyborg, air, air Cyborg flies, lands and then Ronda puts a beating to her on the ground. Uh, we all know Cyborg does have some ground skills, obviously, but yeah. Ronda Rousey's a beast on the ground. So, I'd like to see it. I don't think it's ever going to happen. Yeah, but uh, also, as C. Phoenix says, Ronda keeps her chin up. Not good. Yeah, uh, anybody that I've ever seen do striking with Edmund for MMA ends up devolving. So, there you go. It's just experience. Ronda doesn't have the life experience like she has in Joe to understand the small intricacies of how to throw somebody or defend a throw. Whereas in striking, you need you kind of need years and years of experience to understand. Because when she gets tagged, it's almost like she gets confused and then just stares and continues to move forward, but with her chin up. Uh, I think with her mindset, she could easily become a fantastic striker. But we don't know what she's been doing over the past year or so. So, you know, if she's put in the time striking, she can become a great striker. But it always changes the minute she's catching up to Cyborg, though not at this stage. But what she can do is maybe increase her if she leaves Edmund, increase her striking well enough to where maybe she can get Cyborg out of that zone of comfortability into a clinch range. But even then. Who knows how that goes goes down with what we've seen over the past two years out of Ronda Rousey. Also, Jose Aldo's coming back. How do you think, or targeting a comeback against Ricardo Lamas. 
I guess today he doesn't want to play soccer or box or retire or whatever, so he's going to fight and probably beat Ricardo Lamas. It's only September. The story can change 14 times over. With Jose Aldo, you just never know. What's the lyric? Wake me up when September ends? Because I'm pretty sure we're going to have a different story by... By that time, I want to see. I'd love to see him fight Lamas again. Why not? Great I would fight. Much, I would much rather see him fight Swanson, but yeah, you know, whatever. But that's the fight that they want to put on. If they're going to put that on, why not? All good. So, what else is going on with you for the rest of the week? Let's see. Tonight we have SmackDown Live post show podcast. Tomorrow, uh, the List and Ya Boy podcast. I did a feature yesterday. Actually, it was. A revised feature from years ago was uh, the legendary Billy Robinson's birthday. Many of you know that I had the fortune of working with him a very little bit, and my coaches did a lot. Uh, So that is up on Fightful.com. I would really appreciate if you all went and checked that out, retweeted it. Uh, That that experience changed my life. It was right after a really bad car accident I had, and in those months that followed, I learned work ethic that I carry today, and that story means a lot to me. Also, uh, Friday, Ring of Honor, Death Before Dishonor, live coverage and discussion at Fightful. Uh, Also, UFC Japan that night, Saturday night, Bellator 183, live discussion and coverage that night, post-show podcast where we talk that, and UFC Japan. Sunday, WWE No Mercy coverage. Uh, That show is loaded, Brock Lesnar, Braun Strowman, John Cena, Roman Reigns, big show, big post-show podcast, and I have a forum contest running right now. You can head over to Fightful.com, sign up absolutely free, uh, check the the contest. I'm going to be doing contests like this an awful lot. Basically, all you got to do, head over, you'll see the thread, Fightful.com foreign contest, where you can win a Ric Flair Defining Moments figure, courtesy of the eccentric millionaire Jimmy Van. <laughs> uh, Ric Flair, who we're very happy, has had a major upswing in his health and getting back to normal. All you got to do is start a forum topic. That's it. About anything. Sports. We got basketball, baseball, football, racing, any type of uh, form you want. Movies, TV, video games, wrestling, MMA, boxing. Then go over to that contest thread and just write, entered, all it takes, and you will be entered. And we're going to be giving stuff away nonstop. I'm talking DVDs, figures, uh, clothing, memorabilia. We're giving stuff away nonstop over at Fightful.com. So in addition to our news, our photos, videos, podcasts... We have those great forums and contests as well. You can follow me at Sean Rossap. Follow us at Fightful Online. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. This guy's got a birthday dinner tonight. Uh, I'll be a fat guy, so celebrating that should Is be fun. Is it your birthday? It's my birthday. So Today? My, today, yeah. What, you, birthday today. I didn't even know. Joe! <laughs> happy birthday! Thank you. I don't. I don't talk about it much. It's just when you when you get to my age, you don't talk about your birthday, right? It's just whatever it is. But uh, my son wants to take me to a. Uh, it's a pretty big, uh, I guess, uh, Chinese buffet chain here, and they have massive fish in the wall. He's like, I want to take you there. I'm like, okay, I think you want to go there. But yeah, so we be doing that tonight, and then uh, got some stuff. Thanks, guys, in the chat. Appreciate it. Um, do that, and then I got to write, write an article. And our the Friday fun bets will be Thursday fun bets yeah. uh, for the UFC Japan show. So we'll be able to spin that off uh, and try and get a whole bunch of stuff done because Sean and I have a lot of fights to watch Friday with the UFC in Japan, and then we have the Bellator show. Uh, and then from there, a nice little post recap. It's going to be a fun Saturday night. Well, Joe, happy birthday, my friend. I can't believe you didn't tell me. 
It's all good. It's all good. It's not just a birthday. It's just another day, man. It's just another day. At this age, it's just another day. What is that age, Joe? I will never admit that. Oh, come on. Hold on. Let me just type in Pitbull Wikipedia. <laughs> I think he's younger than me, actually. So you're 36 years old. I am. There you go. Why I'll take that. Why does your Wikipedia I'll... say January 15th, though? That's incorrect. Yeah, well, you can't. You can't trust Wikipedia. Well, I've got I've got the Pitbull page right here, <laughs> as everyone will see, and it says January fifteenth, nineteen eighty one. Hey, do you want to put up some uh, an over under or odds on my son crashing Saturday show? Nice picture of there. Ooh. <laughs> because Saturday night, for those that don't know, I told Sean that uh, it's my wife's high school reunion. So she's like, is it cool if I go? I'm like, of course it's cool if you can go. Whatever. I've got to watch fights on Saturday and do the podcast. She's like, are you going to be okay? He's going to be asleep by then. But then I again, got, my, my son wakes up. It, I got it at a solid plus 100. I think that <laughs> like, generally our post shows go pretty smoothly, so I'm thinking that trend continues. Here's the look, okay? There's the door. If all of a sudden during the podcast you see this. Well, hey, it's on Google Hangouts, so that's the benefit. On Tuesday shows <laughs> like this, we're yeah. on screen at all times. On those post shows, all you got to do is like mute. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, mute, and I'm I'm like I'm here and I'm carrying it, and you're off. One time it was funny. Matt Riddle's uh, kid ran in, and you see Matt's cousin swoop across the screen and like just grab the kid and carry him out of the room. It was it was impressive. Like Matt just snapped and was like, "There you go, get him." <laughs> That's awesome. Awesome. All right. Good stuff, man. Until next time, guys, we are out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.